0: Welcome to the family with Doug Sprinthal and Andy Brant-Bernard. Car selling secrets, man.
1: Coming up soon with special guest, the Grand Wizard of the St. Saint Paul Saints, Mike Veck, after this important, exciting announcement.
0: Michael Bryant, Bradshaw Sean Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that you know adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state, so we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant.
1: Where's the manager?
0: (laughs) Walzer Automotive presents car selling secrets.
2: secrets.
0: Join me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal as we talk cars, how to buy them, how to lease them, how to make the most of your money, and much more.
1: Welcome to episode 40, whatever the heck it is, of Car Selling Secrets. 45. 45. Just like the president. How about that? 45. So here, well, with, we are joi- big
0: fans of Donald Trump. Here, joining
1: us today is the Donald Trump of independent baseball. <laughs> yeah, there you Phoning go. Phoning in from Florida, uh, we're excited to have Mike Veck, the Grand Wizard of the St. Saint Paul Saints, on us. On with us.
0: Grand Wizard, wow, Donald Trump, and the Grand Wizard. Well, Interesting. you know,
1: if Murray wow. can have a card that says Team Psychologist. I thought you could print one up that says Grand Wizard. That'd be kind of cool.
2: We wouldn't print one of those up. We just took Murray's and and scratched out the other but Team Psychologist, you know, we're, we're kind of a, 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 a low-rent organization. We don't like to spend unnecessary money on Burry, So
1: yeah, He didn't want right.
2: to have him printed up, so okay. Team Psychologist, I can't remember what his title was before he scratched it out. So.
1: <laughs> Mike, before we start, it's kind of a tradition on the podcast to have our guests tell the story of the first car that they owned, and if it's a boring story, just make something up. We don't do any fact-checking here.
2: <laughs> well, I bet you nobody else will tell you this. It was a 1969 and a half. Ford came out with a Ford Maverick on the half year. I think that was the only time it was ever done, 1969 and a half. I bought a Ford Maverick for $1,600 because I agreed to have the um, um, dealership leave the magnetic signs on the side before I left. Um, For school, and so for sixteen hundred bucks, I bought this brand new Ford that I thought, and I was very cool and owned it for years and years and years. Ran like a top, and the great part of the story was I um, I got it because I wrecked my old man's Ford Fairlane that he was in love with,
0: and uh,
2: he said I'm never going to let you drive my car again. I said Well, I'm three hundred bucks short. And he goes, I'd do anything to keep you from. I said, well, let's go take a look at this anti established mint. It was the most beautiful green. And I'm Catholic, so I hate green, but that was kind of an interesting car. 250,000 miles, I tried to sell it back to Ford. They said that they would not buy it back because I didn't have verification that I'd actually driven all those miles. I don't know what they thought I'd done with it, but...
1: Sounds like you ran into the sounds like you ran into the sales prevention team at Ford Motor Credit.
2: <laughs> the no department. You yeah, like that's to right. Call the the no department.
1: <laughs> Every organization has somebody that has that unofficial title. It seems. Except
2: the Saints. That's we don't have a, Maybe that's a problem. We just don't have that no department. We don't have that adult supervision.
1: I think that's the, one of the things that make you guys wonderful. I hear i, I got to pull this up, and I want to read this to you. Uh, of course, the computer's going to go into <laughs> withdrawal. One of your employee, employees, uh, I think he's listening, Curtis Naxheim? Yeah, Naxheim. Yep.
2: He's the guy the whole place
1: together. Yeah, he. Uh, when he heard you were going to be on, he emailed me, and he goes, Mike's uh, the biggest reason that I still work for the Saints, so I thought that was kind of cool. oh. really nice thing to say about your boss. Wow. How about
2: that? And Thank then he, you, Curtis. Undeserved, but hey, I'll send you that money I owe you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I want to. I want to. We'll talk about the history of the Saints at some point, but I have some questions. I've I've always been just stunned at your marketing uh... and i don't know if it's you or if it's your marketing department the promotions and the stuff that you guys come up with are just really second to none i, I, I don't know if you know this but but walzer's bought a group of luxury dealerships in wichita and they have a, a team down there the wingnuts and i approached them i said you know we've kind of done this crazy association with the saint paul saints and it started out, you know, quite honestly, between you and me, it was a way for me and my band to get paid to drink beer in the parking lot of the old stadium. And then things kind of grew after that, and it's, it's really been a great partnership. And they're like, yeah, so we hear that they do some cool promotions, and I started telling them all the stuff about the, uh, I think the one that put them over the edge was the Atheist Day. And they said, yeah, we, we really couldn't do that down in Wichita. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well... What they're really saying is they wouldn't try. It's not necessarily they couldn't do it. I mean, you know, you got to make a mistake once in a while and get your clock clean. But, you know, um, and and where it comes from is is nobody covers minor league baseball. So you have to figure a way. And when we started going back 27 years ago in in St. Paul at Midway, uh, you know, the only predictions we heard if we got any coverage at all was that we'd be out of business in in 45 days or two months or something like that. So we had to take um, chances. And we weren't governed by the commissioner's office, which was a wonderful thing because we were independent. So we could try all of those things, that those ideas that you put in the drawer and you say, oh, I can't do that today. But somewhere along the line, I'm going to try that. And The more we tried it, the more we attracted you know, um, great talent, people who wanted to be able to express themselves. And so the real spirit of the Saints has been in the fact that that we've had some of the greatest um, thinkers in terms of ideas and creativity and innovation in the game, many of whom have gone on to run their own clubs, many of whom have gone on to major league careers. But the fact of the matter is is that people want to work where their opinions matter and and where they can see the fruits of their labor instantly. So I'd love to take credit for it, but it's really about the people around you.
1: You can go ahead and take credit. This is actually part of Tom's therapy. It's not actually connected to the Internet.
2: Yes. Uh, well, then I'll take credit for it. <laughs> yes. I feel better already.
1: I watched a, just a great little movie. I'm sure you're familiar with it. I just popped up on my radar a couple of weeks ago about the Portland Mavericks called The Battered Bastards of Baseball. It was, a, it was a cool film and a fascinating story. Tom, have you seen that? No. So the story is is that um, ah, Kurt Russell's dad, Bing Russell, was an independent baseball right. team owner, and yep. this is the story of that team. And when is it, Mike, late 70s, 76 or seven, something like that?
2: Yeah, and they were the you know, um, and the, the Russell family—they were really the along with Miles Wolf were the people who started um, independent baseball um, per se, along with Van Schlei. But that was a great organization. I mean, you know, they—they they had it was a family operation, and and uh, and Russell could play a little bit.
1: Yeah, I heard um, that he was or, a pretty good baseball player. Know,
2: yeah, he could play a little bit, but they ran a great. Uh, Bing and I believe Patty, um, and they ran just a, a great operation. Because so many times, you know, people say, "Well, you can't really make a living doing this," and of course, you can. You just have to be a good operator. And they, they kind of introduced the fact that that uh, a good operation um, will always out. And and so that that's a really wonderful um, story. And they they did a great job.
1: If somebody's looking for a baseball film to watch, I'd highly recommend that. It's called The Battered Bastards of Baseball. Uh, Jim Boughton, who many of us older people remember from writing Ball 4, I guess that's where he went for a year or so to rebuild his career before he went back into the bigs.
2: Yeah, he, uh, once, he, once he wrote Ball 4 and he realized that, uh, um, that he stepped on a, few, on a few toes with that, he had to make his way, wend his way as it were. Um, through the forest to find his way back. But, you know, that, that was still one of the really fine baseball books of all time. Say what you will, and, and I happen to be very, I was very fond of him. I thought he was a, a delight. I mean, he was a curmudgeon, but he uh, that was certainly a groundbreaking book.
1: I think I read that when I was about 14, so I was at the age where, and I, I grew up in Boston as a lifelong Red Sox fan, and, you know, everybody's on a pedestal. And then you, re- you realize at some point that they're actually human beings, and not all of them are perfect.
2: Well, one of my favorites was a, was a, a Minnesotan was Johnny Blanchard, who, of course, had that, um, had a liquor store and was one of the great after-dinner speakers. And one of his killer lines was he, he roomed um, for a number of years with Mickey Mantle and as he used to say, I'm the only guy on that Yankees team, including the Bat Boys, who never wrote a book about his experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But 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 Johnny knew where all the bones were buried, and nobody, of course, had ever laid that bare until until Bowden came along. And it took a great deal of courage. I mean, it was a it was a, an informational book. It wasn't a kiss and tell or a gossip brag. It was just this is a day in the life of, of, a major leaguer. And of course it opened a lot of, a lot of Pandora's boxes that uh, were never to be closed again.
1: Yeah. Hey, Mike, would you share with us, I, I've read some uh, of this stuff and local newspapers and stuff. What are the saints doing to support businesses uh, during this COVID shutdown or whatever you want to call it? The plague of 2020.
2: Well, uh, a lot of times, um, you know, we have advertising schedules set up, and we, um, when we weren't going to sell tickets, um, the group got together and, and tried to figure out what we could do, and we could use that airtime uh, for people who needed real help, you know, whether it was um, um, food flying off the uh, um, counters in, in uh, Second Harvest or, or um, anyone who needed to raise awareness and raise money. Uh, we just invited them to use uh, our airtime, and then out of that group, we started to put together different kinds of packages, donating X number of dollars because the real squeeze being put on right now, whatever your whatever uh, your belief is is that is that that nonprofits are getting are just getting murdered right now with the shutdowns. and so um, anything that we can do to extend, um, the reach of of the saints, you know, we were built on a sense of community. It's not like we had to change um, uh, you know our positioning lines or anything like that. And so it's the community really that's given us all these wonderful years in St. Paul and a brand new ballpark and and all of the things that that really come from participating. so, we just try to anybody who needs anything, whether it's big brothers or big sisters or whatever the program is. If they call, we try to figure out a way to get them on the air and then to do some kind of fundraiser for them.
1: I think that that's really terrific, and I and I knew that, but I wanted the story to come from you because it makes me feel good when businesses. Uh, Big, little, and small uh, step up and be selfless and try to support other businesses as we get through this stuff. I will tell you, I did meet one of your um, neighbors in Lower Town who was not happy, but I think I turned her around. She owned a condominium kind of on the south side of the farmer's market, and when we were playing there, I think it was two summers ago. She came up during the break, and she's complaining, this is so noisy, and I don't like this, and it's so loud, and they never should have built this stupid stadium, and blah, 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 blah. And I said, where do you live? She goes, I've lived in this oh, in this condominium for seven or eight years. And I said, let me ask you a question. Do you think the ballpark and the Saints have increased your property values or lowered them? Yeah. And she kind of looked at me and said, I guess they have gone up more than a little. So. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, that's the one person that Annie Heidekoper must not have spoken with personally because yeah. we walked around and talked to every group, every artist group. There are 400 artists in Lower Town, and when we first were going to move there, it wasn't exactly like people were hanging out welcome signs and oh, things no. like that, until we pointed out that, you know, that, that we've all these years been supporting, from, from your band to playing out front to the involvement with... Uh, uh, mr. Murray our our, our psychologist and um, uh, another person that people don't realize, John Alexander, who was a is a really fine painter out of uh, out of Texas shows in New York at the Marlboro and stuff,' um, he's also a partner van Schlei. So we had a lot of ties into um, the arts community and and Annie really put together a program where we just went, to every person, to every group with hat in hand, and said, you know, what do we need to do? Um, and they all said the same thing. Put put Lenny Russo out of business. And so I'm proud to say that Lenny, who's a dear friend of mine, we did, you know, he ran Heartland for all those years, and after we dug up the streets, then we just waited for him to give up the ghost.
0: I love Lenny. <laughs> Lenny's a great guy. Really good guy.
2: Don't you think... Don't you think <laughs> That, that if you and Lenny and I started a charm, school, that it would be an overwhelming success.
0: Oh, I don't think there's any question about that, Mike. There's no, no getting around it at all. There'd be, no, I, I, uh,
1: there'd be no women left in the state. What? What does that mean? <laughs> you know exactly what I mean. I have
0: no idea what you you're three talking about. Jamokes.
1: Mike, we got to take a break. Jamoke. Can you stick around for another segment or two?
0: And let 2020 be your best year yet with LASIK at Whiting Clinic. LASIK results may vary. Talk to your Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential. What the hell is this? It's me. Oh, it's you. Yeah.
1: It's That's oh, Sarah. well, then
0: I like it. <laughs> no, I just, I, I literally thought it was... Who's the black private dick that's a yeah, oh, It's, uh, it's
1: rock and roll part one and two.
0: Oh, okay. From I just wanted to make sure. Anyway, we are back. Car Wait a selling minute. Secrets. You're not going to say how we hit the post there? That was very good, man. Anyways, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, that was really very good how we
1: hit the post. <laughs> Thank you. We are back. Car Selling Secrets by Walzer Automotive Group with our special guest, the Wizard of the St. Saint Paul Saints. Not the Grand Wizard. Mike. Well, he he's, he's didn't want that on the card, so I just demoted him a mm-hmm. little. Mike Veck, I think Tom has a question for you, Mike.
0: I do indeed, Mike. We're in a situation where there's not a lot of baseball. I've been a huge baseball fan since I was nine years old. Love the Saints, love the Twins, you know, that situation. No baseball right now, so I did watch uh, an hour-long special, I believe it was on HBO, I think, uh, the Mark Fidrich story. Have you seen that, Mike? I have not seen it. Oh, God, is it good. It's what a story that was.
2: Man. I have, Tom, I got two stories about him. First of all, in 19, let's see, 1976, that was his rookie year, talking to the baseball, setting everybody on fire. <laughs> yeah. and he was the best thing to come along at the perfect time in baseball. Was a character, could pitch, had a had a kind of wisdom about him. Um, but most importantly, he loved the fans. He related to the fans, and the fans loved him. Mm-hmm. If you check the record books, the only ballpark that he didn't pitch in in 1976 was Comiskey. <laughs> he <laughs> missed. He missed the rotation because of a rainout, and we had to cut my old man down. He tried to hang himself in the left seat. You know, it's really hard to cut a guy down with a wooden leg, and he was... (laughs) And I swear to God, we missed drawing a million people. You know, Fidrich sold every ballpark out that Mm -hmm. he appeared in. Every ballpark, when Fidrich was scheduled to pitch, he sold out. We lost we, we misdrawn a million people in 1976 by 28 because he didn't um, make rotation and pitch. And the second thing was the winter meetings that year when all of the uh, people in baseball get together. It's the, it's the one week where the rest of the nation is safe because all of the thieves are in one <laughs> spot. And in this case, you know, Calvin Griffith and Bill Veeck and God. Charles, they were all in Hawaii. And after um, one of the presentations, there was a line that went out of the hotel door around the pool and must have been, I don't know, a quarter of a mile long. And there were kids waiting for Fidrich to sign autographs and he signed every one of them. It was heartwarming to see. And you know, I mean, you're talking about and some of these guys who were like, eh, I don't really know about him. I don't I don't like Emilio Pasquale. It takes him like a day and a half to <laughs> throw them. Loved them. But they all wanted Fidridge to throw. Um, and he was just so great for baseball. He you know, it was it was tragic that it was cut short the way it was, but uh-huh. he was a phenomenal he, he, he was a phenomenal creature. Phenomenal human
0: being. Seemed like a very nice man, too, and what a horrible way to die. Oh, God. Oh, just terrible. Power takeoff killed him out on the farm.
1: I was going to ask. I didn't, I sadly, I didn't realize that he'd passed away. I oh, that was, was about was 10 a years ago. farming the...
0: accident? Oh, God.
2: Yeah. Yep. Mean, not pretty. Uh, yeah, really an ugly one.
0: It was indeed. But, you know, Mike, over the years, like I said, nine years old, your Minnesota twins came along and uh, I was a Yankee fan before that because everybody who didn't I'm have a team here. was a Yankee fan. Before. Yeah, Doug's leaving now. But, I, you know, I was a Yankee fan until I was eight years old. And uh, Tom Tresh actually was my guy. When I was eight years old, I thought Tom Tresh was the greatest thing that ever happened to baseball. But then the, the Twins came along, and, Mike, I fell in love with that game. Uh, your father, of course, your family involved for for a longest time. It to me still should be America's pastime. It's mm-hmm. not anymore, but it should be. And the NFL has blown up and by, nowhere near as good a sport. If you look, I'm a Viking fan. I am, but what's weird about that is I wouldn't waste a lot of time watching uh, a game without my team in it. But I would watch any baseball game. Baseball is the greatest sport ever. I think.
2: Yeah, I think it's the balance of of the individual prowess combined with the team. Um, It also provides um, an every-man approach, and I think soon-to-be-every-woman approach. You can play baseball, and you don't have to be seven feet tall Mm -hmm. or seven feet wide. And, um, And, of course, what added to our love of the game was that our guys stayed forever, um, with the team. I mean, I was going to be a Yankee fan until I was four, and that was my old man said to me, there's a reason I've had nine kids. You won't be missed if you want to be a Yankee fan.
1: <laughs> I love your dad.
2: All, all we have to do is, is we're going to stop at the next rest area, and we're going to get back and have only eight kids. So
1: <laughs> I- Mike, Mike, just so you know, my dad still refers to him as that effing Bucky Dent.
0: <laughs> well... I remember. <laughs> yeah, Bucky, he
2: he uh, he did well in, in Chicago because, you know, um, we used to leave the grass. Bucky didn't have great range. He had great hands, but he didn't have great range. So when you visited Comiskey, because, you know, he went from, of course, the White Stockings to the Yankees um, that fatal year before he hit that fatal home run. But we used to leave the uh, grass a little bit longer. Um, in front of shortstop so that Bucky had time to get to the ball.
1: So you were like uh, the Houston Astros of the 70s, is that what you're saying?
0: Oh.
2: When everybody everybody did the same thing.
0: Yeah, they did.
2: that, That was the difference. I mean, my old man put more ice balls and baseballs in the fridge before guys came. And, you know. <laughs> but everybody knew it because after the game they all drank together and Calvin would go, Bill, you were frosting those balls up again. And dad would go, Calvin, I never thought you'd notice. You know, and,
1: uh, Mike, for those uh, <laughs> the people that are listening that don't know who your father was, could you just give us a, a just a quick rundown so they'll know who the heck we're talking about here?
2: Oh, um, well, my, my grandfather, um, William Lewis Beck, um, was a newspaper writer, and he ripped the Cubs relentlessly, and one day uh, Wrigley called him up and said, uh, uh, Mr. Beck, I'd like you to work for the Cubs since you're such a genius, and regrettably, he spawned my father, who took one look at, at the Cubs and said, I want to have a life of my own, and... Um, So my dad bought his first ball club after working for the Cubs for 15 years in Milwaukee, and then turned that into time with the St. Louis Browns, where Mm -hmm. he signed uh, Satchel Paige and and Eddie Goodell, Eddie Goodell, three foot seven, Eddie Goodell. What a story! uh, Which made him a a real pariah. And then he, you know, he but he also ran the Indians, won a World Championship with them in
0: '48,
2: uh, signed Larry Doby. And uh, then ended up in Chicago um, because my mother said, do something legit with your life. For those
1: that don't know, Larry was the first uh, black player to be signed in the American League. Is that correct?
2: Yes, that's correct. What a wonderful guy. And so, you know, my old man just had a, he learned it from his father, and he just had a wonderful time being able to make a living in in a child's game. And years, years later, um, you know, people realize that Charles O. Finley, who ran um, the A's and probably was the only, you know, short-term dynasty that compared um, to the Yankees, and, and Calvin Griffith, who of course um, uh, ran the Twins for years, and Bill Beck, those were the last independent owners who made their living. Um, running baseball teams. And, of course, then the game, the flavor of the game changed forever when uh, CBS bought the Yankees. They also bought Fender. That's when everybody went out and bought those tube amplifiers that were so terrible. I mean, those um, uh, transistor amplifiers from Fender that were so tor- terrible. So it was really Fender who buying the Yankees, CBS, that loused up baseball and still... We survive in spite of all the idiocies, and I include, you know, my dad, my grandfather, myself, and, of course, my son and trained, worked until recently for the White Sox. So, I don't know, we're too stupid to do anything else.
1: Well, you've been given the finger to the establishment for four generations. now. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good accomplishment.
2: <laughs> there, my, my mother used to say she was just waiting for one vec to be born with only four fingers.
0: Well, did it happen? No.
1: (laughs) Mike, I got a question for you. You touched on it in the first segment. We were talking about all these crazy marketing promotions, and I think some people are probably familiar with the world's largest game of catch and the zero K marathon. But you said some of them have just totally failed. What are some of the worst ones you guys have ever tried to pull off? This is always an interesting question, I think.
2: Yeah. Um. Well, I'll just get the first one out of the way. Disco demolition, which I thought was a really funny idea. We invited everybody in Chicago when I was with the White Sox to bring a disco record. We put them in a dumpster with a stick of dynamite between games. We blew them up, and 100,000 people showed up, and 10,000 of them decided to spend the second game on the field, which made it really hard to, <laughs> hard to play. Um, so so it was only the fourth forfeiture in the history of baseball, my My dad and mom were really proud of having hired me. Um, I left town in the middle of the night. Tom, one of Tom's friends, Steve Dahl, went on to to great radio uh, infamy, joining Tom. I think in the in the Hall of Fame. That kept me out of baseball for ten years. Race the mannequin was probably one of my really (laughs) philosophic disasters. Um, Love it. You know. It was this existential idea. We put a mannequin out there and you'd run. And of course, the first day, somebody was loaded and got out there and ran and thought it was funny. And from then on, no one did. So, vasectomy night failed miserably sure. because I realized we were in a heavily Catholic town. <laughs> and, um, giving away a vasectomy is funny, but giving away a vasectomy on Father's Day is not funny. Uh,
0: oh, it is funny.
2: I, I think it is funny. Pope, you know, and that one worked. And then we gave away a Pope on the Rope soap. Can you imagine that Pope was going to come to America, so we gave away Pope on a Rope. And I didn't get one call. Bible Belt, Buckle Night, never got a call. So, you know, some of them are real disasters just waiting to happen. And I have more than my share. So. But they make great after-dinner stories. Nobody wants to hear about, hey, you know we did nobody night and it was very cool people want to hear about you know disasters that happened you know
0: yep
1: well i don't think the disco demolition was a, i mean that's i i understand Legendary. that the fallout was terrible for you but i mean people are talking about that that was what 35 years ago longer yeah that. it
2: was it was 40 years 13 days and 27 minutes.
1: (laughs) But who's counting? But I forgot, yes.
2: (laughs) That was was the beginning of very intense therapy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I I talked about Atheist Night earlier, and I wanted to explain what that was. I, I I hadn't tracked it, really, and I think this was four or five years ago. Uh, I was taking uh, my wife and our four kids to a Saints game, and then we were, we were going to go watch for six or seven innings. Then a guy I knew was playing down in Rice Park. There's a big music festival, so we thought, perfect summer night. Play with the Saints, have hot dogs, couple of beers, go down and watch uh, these guys play. It would be great. We come around the corner, and there are people with bullhorns screaming about you know, Old Testament stuff and Bible oh, thumpers. God. I'm like, what in the hell is going on? So we go into the stadium, and, a, and of course, it's, uh, it's the Atheist Night. I'd, I was stunned that Minnesota actually had a, a consortium of atheists, and even more stunned that, that Mike and the crew would give, give them a voice down oh, yeah. there. So they changed the name of the team to the St. Paul Ain'ts and then they had uh, stuff in the center field on the big screen. It was called Soul or No Soul, and they had pictures of famous people, and you had to guess whether they were wearing shoes or not. <laughs> and I'm explaining this all to my kids, and they're looking at me like I'm totally insane. And I laughed I laugh the whole time. It was just fabulous.
2: Well, the, the, um, the, the germ for that idea, that you know, I mean, they contacted us and said they were going to bring a group out, and we thought to ourselves, how big a bigger group? And they said, and we said, boy, we love doing atheist night. Uh, <laughs> but when when I was in Detroit with the Tigers, there was a um, a uh, church right across the street from Comerica Park, and it had a sign on it that said, "Pray for our Tigers." It was the year we almost broke the uh, uh, Mets record for losing a hundred, I guess, hundred twenty games or something. Mm-hmm. And and so for the first. But the first month, Pray for Our Tigers was funny. And finally, uh, you know, it got to be a bit old, and we were having a difficult...
1: Hey, Hey, Mike, I hate to cut you off. We've got to take one final break, and we'll, we'll get right back to you in about a minute and a half.
2: Mm,
1: I've been blown off better than that. Dude, come on. <laughs> I, the clock's behind me. Tom pointed at me and gave me the finger. I feel bad. I just uh, Everybody's I just, mad at me now. You hurt my feeling.
0: The biggest problem that I had, I just got a call from Madeline Murray O'Hare, and she wants to talk atheism, so i, I got to hop on the I line with she
2: her. she was with Dad.
0: <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure she is, yeah. We'll be right back. Whatever it takes.
1: Do, do, do. We are back, Walzer Automotive Car Selling Secrets, talking atheism with baseball legend <laughs> Mike Vec. <Beck>.
0: Nice. <laughs> nice. No doubt about it. Oh, God, what a story. You know, now it's going to be all day and all. It's going to be actually Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we we'll be thinking about nothing but baseball, and we don't have baseball. It pisses me off.
1: So did have you guys made any determination about the season, Mike?
2: Yeah, we're going to, we, you know, what's killing people are are they, the lack of any announcements. So we announced that we were going to um, play an 80-game uh, season commencing um, in early July, depending on what the schedule makers can do, extending through the end of September.
1: Yeah, because you, you're usually done on uh, Labor Day, right?
2: Right, we're done on Labor Day, and, you know, and we start uh, May 19th. So rather than have this kind of nebulous, we figured we'll come out with a schedule of some sort in the next couple of weeks and see what happens. Obviously we're going to, you know, be governed by um, the same rules that, that uh, um, other arenas and places in St. Paul are, but at least our, our fans, we we want them to know that this is not a promotion brought to them by the St. Paul Saints. You know, this is, this is a little bigger than that so but anyhow we should have a uh, we should have a schedule beginning early in July
1: the way it stands now that's that's terrific I mean we had all I go to quite a few games every year and just love it it becomes friends with a guy you probably know season ticket holder named Lane Christensen. Who was, oh yeah uh, he, he, he was texting me earlier when's Mike going to be when I said it'll be a roughly 12 o'clock just tune in
2: well lane lane and i are, are are weeping because we we just we just got word that now you know jazz fest in new orleans has been canceled until 2021 and um, i got a note from somebody that i can't identify claiming that i didn't really tell you one of the greatest failures so i'm uh, could I tell you one that I sure? Forgot, We're all about it.
1: failure here on the uh, Walter yes. Automotive Group car selling secrets. Exactly.
2: I knew the reason. I, I know why I'm, why I'm on here. I'm, I'm good with that. You know, like I said, they're funnier. <laughs> I um, you know, I got carried away when you know, when we decided to use a pig for a mascot up in in uh, Saint Paul. We'd use the we'd use the uh, dog in Fort Myers and during spring training um, with the twins. So. I just thought it would be fun to do something with a pig when we got to South Carolina. So, so I didn't know what a pig poke was. I had no idea. And they said, you want to do a pig picking contest? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I know a lot about pigs, whatever you want to do. I'm I'm good with that. And, uh, so they got 20 of the cutest little kids you ever saw. And, uh. They greased up this pig and let him loose at home plate, and that pig ran right down the first baseline, took a hard right at the right field wall, and ran out into the swamp. And that was the last time we ever saw it, Tom. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so all of a sudden there's a helicopter over the ballpark. And, you know, I don't think that our attendance is that much of a Big story And I, I, I said what, What's that uh, That helicopter doing And that it's an animal rights Helicopter Oh God uh, An animal rights Helicopter For what Well Tommy ran out That march I'm like well Tommy's going to Vacation out in The marsh." Said Tommy probably Won't get along With those gators in that <laughs> marsh. Oh no I'm like Tommy's a greased pig He can get away From anything and and to this day, I've always wanted to do a promotion, you know, with the Port line, which is one of the great lines of all time. Can you imagine those gators looking out there, and all of a sudden, the other white meat shows up. <laughs> oh, no. And they're like this. Oh, baby. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll have Smithfield call you after the show.
2: Mm. Oh, I I Smithfield, I have some experience with them. When I was with Tampa, I had to to break the news to them that they had the richest hot dog deal in the history of Major League Baseball with the Tampa Bay, then Devil Rays. The guy looked at me and he said, uh, "Mike, what's the biggest hot dog deal in the in the country in Major League Baseball?" And I said, "Well, it used to be the Cubs until you broke the record." He said, "How many people to Cubs draw?" I said, "A whole lot more than you did last year." And uh, I think he spent the next two years trying to break that contract. I was long gone by then. I probably got fired over that. I can't remember <laughs> what they fired me for, but. They promised them $4 million and they drew $2 million and that was the end of the Smithfield deal. So, <laughs> mm. funny you should mention it. Yeah. Well, I've had disasters with everybody.
1: <laughs>
0: it all works out in the end.
1: you got to yeah. keep trying, though. That's what's great, right?
2: Yeah. Hey, Tom, you know what's really funny, too, is Lenny Russo came down. I'm, I lured him down to Charleston to come down and help us with a couple restaurants. I oh, okay. My all right. And so you've got to be sure and, and and talk to Lenny in the next few and ask him about his experience down at work and with Murray and Beck at the, at Harold's Cabin. And Oh, my God. I think we scared him to death. Mega loved it. But, you know, Lenny, he's a little curmudgeonly.
0: So. Yeah, I love the guy. I, Lenny Russo, I, I just love that guy. Great, great talent, too, in the oh. kitchen. Man.
2: He, he is it's just unbelievable. What well, he is really an artist. He, he's just a terrific guy. No so doubt. So he came down it. to spend six months with us, and he, he, he scared some people in Charleston. I can tell
0: you. <laughs> well, I suppose that's what. Yeah, that's that's going to happen. And, uh, yeah, that's the one. Another thing about baseball, it it does have some fans that are really, really like quality. Well, Doug Sprinthal's is one of a quality fan like Doug. I mean, yeah, although I will. One thing I got to tell you about your Boston Red Sox, who became a California Angel, uh, Fred Lynn. I'm out at the old uh, Met Stadium, and Fred Lynn comes walking out. It's first day, first game, with California, with the Angels playing the Twins at the old Met Stadium, and I'm uh, sitting right behind the plate, right. And he walks out, and he's wearing patent leather red baseball. shoes. Oh boy! Mm. Okay, he's got the patent leather red baseball shoes. I go, hey, nice shoes, Dorothy. He threw his bat at the screen. Oh,
2: wow. <laughs>
1: that's so,
0: awesome. He threw his wow. bat at me. <laughs> you know, here,
1: here's the story, and this just happened to me recently, about you never want to meet your heroes. Growing right. up, you know, I'm just a little over 60, so in the 60s, Carl Yastrzemski was oh, everything to oh, yeah. fourth and fifth grade boys. He, he was so popular. At one point, he was either even selling Big Yaz bread, which was white bread that had jelly baked into it. So it was terrible, actually. Oh. Um, Mike Bryant, who is uh, friends uh, of, the, of, of Tom and, and myself, grew up in Rhode Island, he says, yeah, Yastrzemski hated Freddie Lynn. I says, why is that? And he goes, he didn't like black people. I'm like, you're kidding me. I never knew that. What do you mean he didn't like black people? <laughs> Did I use it slip into a foreign language you don't understand? I guess he was a racist and didn't like black people. Who didn't? Carl Yastrzemski.
0: Fred Lynn wasn't black. I'm, I'm thinking Jim of Jim Rice. Rice. You're thinking, I was going uh, to. Uh, sorry, what I, the I, I the totally hell hell screwed up. I'm <laughs> like, what?
1: So for Boston fans, Jim Rice and Fred Lynn were the
0: star outfield phenomenal.
1: team of the 70s. And, and I totally phenomenal. screwed it up. So he did. So Freddie Lynn, So Jim Rice wearing the red disco shoes. I could kind of see, but anyway.
0: No, no, no. It was it was Fred Lynn that wore the, the disco shoes. Mike,
1: <laughs> you're not the only one that can make horrible mistakes and just walk right into the airplane propeller. We can. We all have that ability. Yeah, I'm
0: sitting here, Mike, and I'm going, "How is that funny?" <laughs> What do you mean? Well, see, I'm going the opposite
2: way. I'm going, this is really funny. I can't wait for the punchline. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. No, I'm just that stupid. <laughs> oh, God, it was hilarious. It was like, Fred Lynn, what? Well, he's good. Yeah, we're you know, out of we're time. Me, no, no, <laughs> no, no, we're, we're not out of here. time. We, we do gonna... have a question from a listener, though. All right. Uh, she is a ticket holder. So what is her uh, next course of action with those tickets?
2: Um, call whomever her... Uh, Saints rep is, whether it's uh, Derek Scherer or Chris Schwab or Tom Whaley, whomever it is, and work out whatever she would like to do. We're doing it. Each fan, whatever their particular need is, we want to tailor it. So whoever her Saints rep is, simply call and um, say this is what we'd like to do. and That's the nice thing about the operation, man. Mm -hmm. What she needs is what we'll do.
0: Can she still get her Carl Spackler bobblehead, though?
2: Well, she got to know somebody then, If she says the magic <laughs> word. You know, if she goes, Fred
0: Lynn's really white. Oh. <laughs> Those, thats the password. Oh, God. <laughs> the greatest ever! <laughs> Fred Lynn. I'm gonna—we're gonna name. You know what? You should have a Fred Lynn's really white night when the when the Saints start Thanks playing. Thanks for again. joining
1: the final episode of Start Selling Seagulls. The greatest ever. That would be funny. So who uh, came up with the uh the the Tierra idea? Was that you or was that Mike? For Catherine.
2: That was the three
0: of us actually during the show. It was during the oh, show. Yeah, right. that's we, right. Matter of fact, we got to get you guys back in here because we, man, you guys come in and do the show. We'd laugh like mad. Catherine's all, yeah, tiara night. Catherine mm-hmm. Brent, tiara night. <laughs> that's right. And
1: she
2: had the wave down perfectly. That's the part that I
1: love. <laughs> she I does. She, she has that did. sort of stiff neck, shoulders up
0: kind of. Hello, peasants. Hello. She says that to me all the time. Hey, peasant, you're <laughs> home.
2: You can tell when that blue blood is coursing through your veins by how stiff your wrist is. (laughs) People will go,
0: I told you that was one of us. Yes, exactly. Probably a Yankees fan. It's exactly (laughs) right. You know, one thing I I would like to mention also about baseball, and loving baseball so much, there are, I guess, you know, the kind of minor leagues for the NFL and, and basketball and hockey and all the rest of it, but it's not like baseball, where where baseball has got how many different levels now, single A, but there's like several levels of single A. There's double A, triple A ball, there's the major leagues, there are independent teams. Baseball, is it ever going to come back as America's pastime, do you think, Mike?
2: Oh yeah, I think that I think the the first time the NFL surfaced as as America, it was during the Vietnam War and everybody said, "Oh, this is the death of baseball." Yeah. And and so it pretty much reflects what our society is and right now our society has an attention span of about 12 seconds, although I think that's changing now. But yeah. but football's perfect um, for whatever's happening in society, but I think that baseball's huge resurgence um will come because it's pastoral, because it's a setting that we all need. So after the aggression and and the NFL has its run for six, eight, ten years, then, of course, baseball will come back. So it's very, I think it's very
1: cyclic. I, I think and, there's uh, something else that's going to affect that, too. If you think about it, there's... You know, at the junior high and high school level, there are more gifted athletes now that are no longer willing to play football. Oh, I could see it's just, that, yeah, because it's too with dangerous with the concussions yeah. and the danger yep. and stuff. And and there's you know there's countless great athletes that at some point had to choose between basketball, baseball, and football. Yeah.
0: No, probably true. At some point, we've only got a couple of minutes, but if you guys don't mind, I, do you mind if I throw you out my favorite televised baseball reference of all time? It's not about. Fred Leonard. Oh, that's great. Yeah. No, it's about Halsey Hall. You guys okay. remember Halsey sure. Hall? One of the great baseball announcers of all time. So I'm watching a game one day, and it's a very cold day at Metropolitan Stadium. The game's televised, though. And uh, it's a day game. And Halsey Hall goes, hey, can we get a... I shot at a couple out there uh, down the first baseline, and they show this couple, and it's a guy and a woman, and it's so cold that they're under a blanket. Right? They're both under a blanket. And Halsey, and he told me years ago, he didn't do it on purpose, it just happened. He goes, you know, that's the one great thing about baseball, or out there it's cold, but they got their blanket, and He kisses her on the strikes, and she kisses him on the balls.
2: Oh, my God. (laughs)
0: There was this long pause. (laughs) And then all you heard was Halsey going, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I I will never forget that as long. Now, only baseball. NFL would never allow something like that. No. <laughs> There's a reason they call it the no fun league. The NFL. <laughs> exactly. I will n- I, Mikey, yeah, we'd love to have you come in studio again when you're back in town. Come on in studio. You got to come on the morning show again, too. Our listeners miss you. I'd love to.
2: Thank you so much. It was just a gas.
0: It was fun. I
1: can't it believe the, the no hour reference. flew by that quickly. It did. Ah, Dougie, you're the host. I'm man. never going to live this down. All right. Fred Lynn, this is the Fred black Lynn signing off for today. Walzer Automotive Group's car selling secrets. We'll be back with more non black white people next week. <laughs>